your pajamas, zip up your sleeping caps, and get ready to go the fuck to sleep. It's time for Snores About Night, a podcast about Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. I'm Sam. And I'm Drew. Oh, God. (laughs) I didn't want to go full whisper. I didn't want to give everyone tingles. Listen, you set it up and I just had to knock it down. That's true. I didn't consult you on that opening. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'll stop doing that because it sucks. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, a sleepy episode. Everyone's asleep in this episode. What did you think of your first viewing of Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance? As I said earlier, I don't think this should be allowed. Yes, you did say that. Uh, and for anyone who's not familiar with the beginning of Dream Drop Distance... It is a whole lot of the world ends with you. And now that we've talked about it a little more off mic, I'm more on board with it being allowed, but I still I still think that kind of sucks, honestly. Yeah, it, I mean, there's something about the way that they use the world ends with you in this game, because first of all, yeah, like, like we talked about right before we started recording, they make it seem like the game is going to be about... <laughs> The characters from The World Ends With You, which it's not. Yeah, because, like, Um, I thought it sucked mostly when I thought we were going to have to deal with the metaphysics of The World Ends With You on top of the metaphysics of Kingdom Hearts. And that they're, like, compatible. And it turns out they're a little bit compatible, but it's not maybe as much as I was thinking. So Right, but the the thing the thing about it is like cuz you know it's a it's a crossover series. So like we've got Cloud and we've got Leon and all that, but when even when Cloud is gesturing at Sephiroth and being like he is the darkness of me or whatever the hell was going on there, there's never there's never a time when Cloud just like walks up to Sora and is like, "Do you have any materia?" and Sora's like, What's that? And he's like, wow, never mind, bye. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think, but, you know, as I thought about it more, it's like, well, there is still the genie in in Aladdin's world, and the genie is capable of all this, like, crazy stuff, and that still exists. That all exists within Kingdom Hearts, so I guess all the weird stuff these characters can do exists in Kingdom Hearts, but I think the thing that makes it weird is you don't go to their world, they show up in yours. That's the part that makes it a little extra weird and yeah, and, and made me think that and, it had was maybe bigger than it is. Yeah. Uh, I think also a, a problem for me is the, the music because it's not just that they're playing music from The World Ends With You because, you know, they played like Zack's theme from Crisis Core sure. or whatever. And I, I haven't played that, but I got what they were doing and I said, OK, that's fine. Uh, but I think the big difference is that Zach's theme from Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core doesn't have vocals that they play at the same time as characters talking to each other. True, yeah, and also, you know, Kingdom Hearts music sounds a little bit like Final Fantasy music, so it's, yes. not, it's not as big of a deal as dropping in uh, whatever's dream going dropping in. Whatever, yeah, dream dropping in whatever's going on in the world ends with you. Yeah, but we we will it'll be a minute before we actually encounter those characters and we can talk about them when we get there. We begin the the storytelling here is a lot of jumping around and you feel kind of unmoored from time, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, um I wanted to talk about the intro video a little bit because mm-hmm. you got little sorcerer Mickey 
Um, oh, the, yeah, the actual, like, the... It's... I think, isn't it like the orchestral Simple and Clean? It's a, Yeah, it's orchestral Simple and Clean. You've got Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey's shadow kind of conducting the music mm-hmm. as it goes, as a shadow in front of everything. And it's just mm-hmm. a cool, like, you know, uh, high-res 3D recap of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Um, mm-hmm. But they, the, the um, motif they go for, though, is a bunch of, like, pages of, like, a book or journal flying around. Mm-hmm. Which led mm-hmm. me to believe, I'm like, oh, are we getting some more Jiminy's Journal action in this game? Nope. And no, apparently not. It It's like this should have been the intro video for the last game. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't have it done, so they put it in this one. You know, the first time I played this, I, I, I guess I've only played it once. The time that I played this myself, I didn't really think anything of the pages. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I was just like, oh, it's like the story of their journey or something. But I was wondering, watching it this time, is that maybe it's a little a little nod to the Book of Prophecies that we learned about last game, perhaps? That was maybe my thought, because I'm like, I don't think it's Jiminy's journal, but you do see, like, actually the cover of a book. And I don't know, if that comes back up in this game, then that would make sense. It could also be, maybe the pages were, like, sheet music, because it was Mickey from Fantasia uh, conducting. That could have been it i'd have to go back i'd have to i'd have to look at it again and see if we ever actually see what's on the pages i didn't think to check because i i'm not professional or good at this um but that's okay uh so we start in ansem's computer room much like we ended Mm -hmm. recoded uh but this time this time this is a different moment yes it is a it is a it is definitely a different moment because there's people dying on the floor Yes, this is, I, I have to assume, the moment when they became nobodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brag, or perhaps, I guess he's probably Zigbar now. I think we actually uh, literally, at the end of the scene, see him maybe turn into Zigbar. Oh, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Um, so Brag is yelling at Apprentice Xehanort, uh, where we watch Evan and Ienzo fade away on the floor, Oh, and we also see Ienzo as a little boy, so we know that this is when they turn themselves into nobodies. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, this is kind of contentious, because I think that Nomura said at some point that nobodies don't age. Right. It so should, it there's no like reason you. that Ienzo should be a different age as Zexion. He's been disguising himself as a child the whole time. <laughs> oh, we never... <laughs> Oh, I see. I thought you were going the other way. I was going to say we never we never mentioned Zexian's big tall trench coat. <laughs> well, also like illusions are his thing. Maybe he's always making himself look older, but he's actually still a kid when he's I guess when that's he's possible. Yeah. Um Brig is very he seems very confused and angry. He's like <laughs> yeah. he's like yelling at Zayn or like it basically is, is this what was supposed to happen? Yeah, it seems bad. <laughs> yeah, and uh Xehanort summons No Name, which I forgot that he was able to do, and he also probably forgot he was able to do, Mm -hmm. and he lunges, oh, well, before he lunges, (laughs) sorry, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm too excited for for Zigbar to enter the picture. (laughs) Um, Brag sees Apprentice Xehanort summon No Name, and he is very surprised because he believed that Xehanort didn't know that he had a Keyblade. Right. So he asks, do you remember now? Or did you never lose your memory? I don't know. 
I think based on what we've seen, he just couldn't access it, but who knows? I feel like he probably got his memories back over time. Right. Because we saw he had the bright yellow eyes when he first became uh, Terranort, but then they, like, faded to, like, a dull brown when he was walking around with Brag in the in the castle. Right, but then they came back. Yeah, that's that's fair. Probably at some point he remembered. Yeah. Um, so then Xehanort lunges at him and stabs him with the keyblade to remove his heart, and he says, That's not my name. My name is Ansem. Oh, shit. So does that mean that he's already separated himself himself into Heartless and Nobody, and this is actually or the Heartless Ansem? I would guess that he was probably the last one to go. Okay. I think I think that he is... Because I guess it would make sense if he decides, I'm Ansem, and then he separates himself into the two parts, then it would make sense that the Nobody is Xemnas. I guess, mm. <laughs> in as much as any of this makes sense. Right, because it still doesn't make sense that he calls calls himself Ansem, but uh, it is what it is, I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, and now uh, we we get to what I've been dreading for so long, which is the actual things that happen in Dream Drop Distance. <laughs> we begin with Riku and Sora standing on the beach on the Destiny Islands, but it's not riku and sora that it should be it's a little sora and a little riku this like kingdom hearts one kind of this was extremely confusing to me because sora is just kingdom hearts one sora yeah riku is dressed like kingdom hearts riku but he has like different hair yeah he had a cool haircut yeah so they they're standing on the beach wondering how far they can go on a raft and we cut to them in a storm on the raft, uh, and everything's getting messed up. The raft's breaking, Riku lands in the water, and then a giant Ursula pops out of the water. And they know who she is. She also knows who they are, which is weird, because she never met Riku. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, so, wait, are they... Yeah, I was really confused about the timeline of this particular part. Actually, maybe she did meet Riku, because Riku was at Hollow Bastion with Maleficent, uh, and so yeah. was Ursula. Yeah, that might have been it. Hmm. But Whatever. I guess it makes me, with the title of the game, maybe they looked younger because the whole thing's a dream? I don't really... I, I, I'm not sure. I'm confused, mostly. We will get to that. I think we will get to that in this episode, because... The way that the story is told here oh, is that everything that is happening, we will occasionally cut to flashbacks of Yen Sid telling them what they're going to do right. over the course of the game. Right. So so we get this kind of weird sense that like everything that's happening in the game is in this weird sort of like pocket moment that it's like i don't really know when this is happening or where or why or how but we're we keep cutting to yen sid basically answering those questions over the course of the game and i will i will explain this <laughs> to the best of my own understanding uh in a bit i think i might actually but... understand it now um a little bit although it's really confusing that ursula could show up and know what was going on then yeah, because obviously it's called Dream Drop Distance. Yeah. There's there's some stuff happening in dreams. I'm assuming that this is not really Ursula. I'm assuming this is a dream. Right, because they do kill kill her and she just disappears. Yeah. Um, 
And somewhere in the middle of this, Sora wonders, is this the test? Right. Which we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to the test in a second. Uh, but yeah, the, the raft capsizes after they fight off Ursula and they sink into the ocean. And then a big keyhole appears underwater and their keyblades activate on their own and open the keyhole and they float into it. And then meanwhile, above the water, it's old brown bag robe Ansem. And the brown, says, the brown sack is back. The brown, the sack is back. This world has been connected, he says, once again. And now we get our first uh, Yen Sid flashback. So Sora and Riku are at the Mysterious Tower with Yen Sid as well as uh, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Mm-hmm. And he's he's telling them a little bit about Master Xehanort, who they, up to this point, have never actually met or possibly even heard of. Yeah, Right, yeah, I mean... Have they not heard of Xehanort yet? Xehanort yet? I think they have, right? They, they've they heard of Apprentice Xehanort. I think it's news to them that he used to be an old man. That's true. Yeah, they knew about the pieces of Xehanort, but not old man Xehanort. That's that's fair. Okay, yeah. So Yensid tells them about Xehanort, gifted Keyblade Master, plagued with obsession about hearts, you know. I- you know how it goes. I wrote that down, actually. The such great minds are often plagued by a single great question. What is the essence of the human heart that weakens or empowers us? Uh-huh. Um, which is, okay. I actually, <laughs> it's very overly dramatic, but I like that because it actually kind of makes Xehanort make more sense to me. Yeah. What's the What's the one question that plagues your great mind? Um, oh, no. Uh... Will I like this game? <laughs> uh, right now, for me, it's how do I get my rogue in Baldur's Gate to do more damage? Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. How do I get Starfield to not run like shit? And why am I doing? And why am I doing that? <laughs> why bother playing Starfield? That is the great question that plagues my mind. Yeah. Maybe. It'll why be- do my friends like Starfield? <laughs> I'm not sure if I do, but I keep playing it anyway. No offense to anyone who likes it. I, uh, not not for me. Not for me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yen Sid tells them that uh, Xehanort renounced his duties as a Keyblade Master and chose the life of a Seeker. Is this some, like, Jedi Knight, Jedi Consular shit? It seems like it. Y- yeah, I mean, it probably... It seems like more generally it's like, oh, he's now going to be a person that is looking for answers about kingdom hearts. Mhm. That I would I would love to learn more about different classes of keyblade wielder though. Is that not in like Union Cross or something? Uh not that I know of. Hmm. If it, if it is it's entirely constrained to gameplay which I have not experienced. <laughs> oh, okay. It's really insane how much stuff like there's all these questions we have, right? And then I mm-hmm. learned that there's these big games on, that have, like, all this story ramifications on the side, but they never answer those questions. They just bring up a bunch of new shit every time. <laughs> a lot of questions have been answered, but, yeah, more more have been raised than answered, I think. Yeah. That's good to me. I love that. I'll, I'll eat it up. I, have, I don't care. <laughs> I think it's all right, but at a certain point, you got, you got to start answering the questions at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Otherwise, you become lost. Yeah, they did it, though. People just don't get I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about lost. <laughs> <laughs> they never explained what was up with the big onk at the temple. It's a big onk. 
But why is it big? <laughs> why Why not? That should have been the finale, is that they just go down a checklist where they're like, here's who built the lighthouse, and here's why they built the lighthouse, and here's exactly why those numbers were on the wall, and here's why the Ankh was big. It's just Jacob in the afterlife before they get before <laughs> they get in the church. And, and my brother's name was... <gasps> Craig. He didn't have Roll one. credits. He didn't have one. Oh. Yeah, he did. I think he just literally didn't have a name. I think that was like the idea. Oh, I thought you were saying Jacob didn't have a brother. Yeah, no, I think his brother just didn't have a name. That's so fucked up. It is Listen fucked to up. the Island Shuffle to understand how fucked up that Their is. Their mom anyway. was bad. <laughs> uh, so, Yensid tells them that to, in order to make sure that they are ready for Master Xehanort's return, they will be put to the test as potential Keyblade Masters because they're self-taught and they need to forget everything they think they know about Keyblades. And get ready to learn fresh from the start. I am kind of with Sora being like, but I've beaten everybody. <laughs> Why do I need to start over again? I'm very good at this. Well, we we will we will find over the course of this game that there are things that a Keyblade Master can do that Sora doesn't even know exist. Fair. I just don't get why he has to forget the stuff he knows. <laughs> Forget everything you know. Uh, don't don't equip uh, horizontal slash. Uh, slap shot is fine. That that weird whirlwind attack don't, definitely don't use that. It's flashy, but it doesn't really set you up for combos very well. <laughs> That's true. He does just know a bunch of moves. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, Sora is like, this is just a formality, right? <laughs> and yet it's like, no, you suck. Uh, right. I mean, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, he, you know what? That's true. We see, we see Mickey, and he's always being epic, and and Sora's not as epic as Mickey yet. So yeah, he doesn't no. start over. Yeah, yeah. And Riku, Riku's on board. He's like, I know that I have a lot to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. He summons Soul Eater, which was interesting to see. I didn't know he could still do that. Right. Well, he's like, yeah, I've still got like a bad heart. So but- yeah, there's still darkness in my heart, which is why I can summon my cool Batwing Sword from the first game. Uh, so yeah, he's he's down to get tested. Sora says, "All right, if Riku's taking the test, then I'm I'm into." Uh, we then cut to Traverse Town, which we haven't seen since Kingdom Hearts One, and Sora he's still he's still little boy Sora, but now he's wearing a cool new red and black outfit with a cool white X on the shirt. Yeah, it's reminiscent of his outfit from the first game, but it's definitely not his outfit from the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he. He guesses that the clothes must be more of Yen Sid's magic, uh, more because Yen Sid's magic is also making him a little boy. Yeah, m- probably. <laughs> uh, we'll, <laughs> we will get to why, but um, we see in the background as we get the Traverse Town uh, world title card that there's someone jumping around on the old rooftops and there's cool hip hop music playing in the distance. Trying to remember who I thought this. Oh, yeah. Not thinking about what this game was, I thought that was Yuffie for a second, be- doing ninja stuff. That'd be fun. No, it's not that. No, it's Neku Sakuraba from The World Ends With You. Do people call it Tui? How do they say it? I've heard Tui. Tui? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, a ba- it's got bad mouthfeel, Tui. <laughs> it's got a bad lot of feels. Yeah. I've tried so hard so many times to get into The World Ends With You. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. I've thought about it a bunch of times because, like, I don't know. I've mentioned that I, <laughs> I'm i a loser that likes Nomura's style. 
um, as far as like some of that stuff goes. So it looked interesting to me, but then I read more about what the game is and what the gameplay is, and I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good at all. I I hate playing that game. I yeah, I think three times in my life I've tried to get into that game, and I I hate playing it on the DS. And I bought the Switch remake, and I hated playing it then too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to the people who love it. I just, it's not for me. All right. Yeah. Well, and neither neither is this guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Neku Neku is a big part of my problem with the world ends with you because he is what we like to call an asshole. Right. And allegedly, he becomes likable in the game. I never got that far. He becomes like a Sundere or something. I got far enough to get to a point where he's like, he's like, Ugh, yeah, okay, I care about all of my friends. There, I said it. Just, just don't make, don't expect me to say it again. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm tapping out. Uh, it- uh, I, I do like some of the characters though. We meet Beat and Rhyme in this part. I like Beat and Rhyme. Yeah, they're all right. Um, I, yeah. I like that. Um, he shows up and he t- says to Sora, "Looks like you're not a player." And it's true, because Sora, Sora is not a player, absolutely. He's kind of like a proto-wife guy, really. So he's <laughs> definitely not a player. <sighs> you look completely swagless. <laughs> yeah, this is where they start uh, throwing around twooey words. Uh, because Sora is like, hey, hey, who are you? And Neku's like, Ugh, talk about noise. Noise are the enemies that you fight in the game. Uh-huh. He looks at Sora's palm and says, you're not a player. I'm looking for my partner. I'm playing the Reapers game. Uh, Sora, I mean, you know, Namine said to data Sora last week, it doesn't matter if you understand. And we can see very clearly that, that is very true, whether you're dealing with real Sora or data Sora. Sora is just smiling and nodding and says, well, I don't know what's going on, but I will absolutely help you now that we're best friends. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, we're best friends, obviously. Yeah, he's like, "Do you do you you're looking for your partner? I can be your partner in the game." And Neku's like, "I already have I've already made a pact." And Sora's like, "I don't know what that means, but I can just help you as a friend." And Neku's like, "Oh yeah, Neku says, "So now we're friends. It's not that easy." And Sora says, "You can make it easier." And Neku goes, "Yeah, great. Whatever." I don't like Neku personally from what I've experienced of him. I do think that it's very funny to see him interacting with Sora, who is the opposite of him. No, it's great. Yeah, because like, I don't like Neku's deal, but I am also like, yeah, I'm not your friend. I just met you. (laughs) Weird kid. He really can't cope with what Sora is putting out. No. Uh, And so he stunts away and does some spins and grinds and stuff. Uh, that that might have seemed weird just watching it in a cutscene because I don't think that that's part of the actual <laughs> game that he's from. Uh, this game introduces a new mechanic called flow motion where Sora and Riku can do all kinds of wacky wall jumps and oh. rail grinds and they can spin around on poles and stuff like that. It's It's pretty fun. That sounds good. Yeah. So Sora catches up to him and asks him his name. And we see the enemies of the game, which are called Dream Eaters. And Neku says, Dream Eaters! And Sora says, that's a weird name. Classic Sora. So so Dream Eaters are not from Tui. No, that is from this game. Okay, all right. Yeah, I assumed that they were. And Oh, that makes sense that you would think that, though, because Neku seems to have a connection to them. 
Yeah, the way they explained it, it would make it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it made it made it seem like yeah, they, they did. I think the reason because Sora and Riku in this game can uh, create and control dream eaters like Pokemon, basically. Um, right. Because you've got and the evil ones that are nightmares and the mm-hmm. good ones, which are they just said spirits. Yeah, spirits and nightmares. Yeah. Are the two types of dream eaters. And yeah, Neku has some of his own, uh, which I think I think the reason that they gave him dream eaters is because in The World Ends With You, you have these powers that come from different pins that you wear that give you like weird psychic and magical powers. So I think that the dream eaters kind of fit as sort of a replacement for that in Kingdom Hearts. Um, but yeah, I, I could see why if you if you didn't know... <laughs> <laughs> that it it does kind of look like that's just what happens in the world ends with you is that you you have these weird monsters that you can c- control. Well, I think that's okay. And then learning that they're not from world, the world ends with you um, does again make me back off a little bit on me saying this shouldn't be allowed because I really thought <laughs> I really thought that it was like yeah the all the metaphysics of the world ends with you is coming over includes including like the enemies from it and okay yeah i I, because i'm like they're in every because they're like they're in every world apparently now and i was just like what that's that's too much but okay yeah no dream eaters are just the enemies of dream drop distance that's all okay that's that's better i think or is it (gasps) people who know what i mean by that will know what i mean by that anyway uh so neku introduced i this is another I I don't again I don't really like Neku on his own but I do like his his weird tension with Sora where he introduces himself he says the name's Neku Sakuraba and Sora says that's a mouthful and Neku goes no it's not <laughs> It's very funny. Well Sora's like where I'm from we have one name and it's short. Right, I've never heard of a last name. What that's weird. The fuck is that? Uh yeah the longest name he's ever heard is Mickey Xehanort that's true. <laughs> but still, not that long uh, of a name. Yeah. Uh, they fight off the nightmares together. Uh, Neku, yeah, this is where Neku's like, oh, I, I work with this spirit to survive the game. Sora says, I'll try. And then you get a little tutorial. Um, I like the Dream Eaters. They're, they're, they look very different from the other enemy types. Yeah, I like that it wasn't just like the Unversed, which is, <laughs> which are just heartless with the the serial numbers filed off like this is mm-hmm. this these do look very different they are a lot yeah, more colorful very colorful very like wacky cartoon animals and they're they're also like they're a lot of them are like weird sort of monster animals they're like fusions of different things like there's like a beetle that is a tank there's like a like a cyber goat <laughs> yeah they definitely had a lot of fun with this one yeah uh, the boss that they fight in Traverse Town is a a monkey that is also a jack in the box. Yeah, that thing's wild. Yeah, they're they're fun. They they're very different, which I appreciate. And they the the weirdness I think emphasizes the the sense of this all being a weird dream that they're in, which which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, for sure. No, I'm definitely down with that stuff. Uh, we get another Yen Sid flashback. Uh, he explains that they need to lead the individuals that Mickey mentioned in his letter out of slumber to help defeat Xehanort. And to that end, there are seven sleeping keyholes that they need to find. And if they unlock all seven, they will retrieve a great power that will help them in their future journeys. Um, 
But this is this is where we 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 get a little bit, I, I, and I'll I'll go into it in some depth later. But we get a little bit into the mechanics of what is actually going on here, which is the the worlds that fell to darkness around the time of Kingdom Hearts One. As we know, a lot of them have been restored, like Beast's Castle, for example. Sora restored that one and went there in Kingdom Hearts Two. Um, but some of them for reasons that are unspecified throughout this entire game and have never been clarified, and I don't know if they ever will be. Some of the worlds that fell to darkness were not restored. They they are sleeping in a realm that is out of reach even to the heartless. The realm of sleep. The sleeping worlds. Uh, he tells them that there are dream eaters that are nightmares and spirits. But the dream eaters, if they, if they work with them, will guide them to the sleeping keyholes. Yeah, so we're introducing a whole new layer of existence, apparently, now. Yes, uh, and I will say, I don't th- I don't think that I fully 100% understand exactly how the Realm of Sleep works, but it's fairly self-contained to Dream Drop Distance, which is good for now. Yeah. I mean, we've dealt with sleep and stuff. You know, I guess like kind of in Chain of Memories with him going to sleep to get his memories back or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess not. Sleep is when Namine puts you in the Matrix. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Neku leads Sora to a black coat guy who immediately jumps at Sora to attack him. And Neku's like, hey, you said you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Maybe we're being betrayed. Well, I, I can't believe that this incredibly menacing-looking hooded man was not entirely on the level when he promised not to hurt the little boy that I led to him. <laughs> uh, so he he jumps in to protect Sora, and Sora wants to wants to help Neku fight, but he suddenly falls asleep. He He feels very, very exhausted and falls asleep. Yeah, that was weird. I'm... There's there's dreams within dreams apparently going on now or something or something. Yeah, so this is the big mechanic of Dream Drop Distance is that you alternate between Sora and Riku. When Sora falls asleep, Riku wakes up. When Riku falls asleep, Sora wakes up. Uh there is a for for this like first time it's scripted when they fall asleep, but for the rest of the game there's a meter that slowly ticks down. And you you can do things to to make it refresh, and you can keep playing as whoever you're trying to play as. But when that meter runs out, they will fall asleep, even if you are in the middle of a boss fight. And then you just switch to the other character. It doesn't like it's not a game over or anything. Correct. Okay. Uh, and you you will forget that you were in a boss fight. <laughs> you will play as Sora for an hour, and then he will fall asleep, and Riku will wake up, and you go, oh shit. And you'll die. <laughs> Good. All right. Cool. It's it's a very a very strange mechanic. I I still, having played the entire game, don't know if I like it. It's kind of fun though. I don't know. I don't mind it, but yeah, I guess I haven't seen what it's like in action. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, there's there's fun stuff like uh, when when the uh, when the meter gets really low you get like a huge multiplier to your points that you get because you get points as you fight and you can spend them when you fall asleep to be like, I collected 300 points. I'm going to use 150 of them to like double Sora's strength when he wakes up, stuff like that. Hmm. 
yeah it's 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 fun it's interesting it's different i i think it's fine for a for a side game yeah um so Riku, meanwhile, he wakes up in Traverse Town himself. Uh, he ra- he wakes up right where Sora fell asleep, which happens this one time, but that is not normally <laughs> how it works. Right. Um, he's got new clothes, too. He's got jeans. He's got a little black and white sleeveless jacket with a cool heart-looking symbol on the back. It's a pretty normal outfit for Kingdom Hearts. Riku tends to get the more normal ones. <laughs> hmm. A lot of, not Not in the first game, obviously. No. A lot of jeans. Guess, jeans and vests. He, yeah, he's just less interested in flair, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he vaguely remembers when his when their keyblades opened the sleeping keyhole in the in the uh in the water, and he says, Ah, this must be one of the sleeping worlds. And he is then interrupted by Joshua Twui, who I don't think I actually got to in the game, so I have no idea what's going on with this guy. <laughs> I read some. I read a wiki summary of the game. Um, okay. Well, we don't. We don't need to spoil the world ends with you no. any more than the game may or may not. I mean, there's a part at the end of this where I think he literally grows angel wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that's pro- that's probably spoilers, but I don't know what it means. Being named Joshua isn't particularly subtle i think if you're doing like a christian (laughs) metaphor um that's true because that's just that's just jesus if you don't know so anyway is that right yeah jesus's name was i i think i've read yeah there's there's stuff where his name was probably joshua or jeshua oh like yeshua yeshua yeah so okay so that that makes sense i never really thought about that before Mm -hmm. um yeah so joshua shows up and starts he just starts saying shit that doesn't mean anything to us, and I don't like it. He's like, ah, you must be really special to jump between grounds without a portal. Yeah, it's like, okay. I think I think that that's kind of a World Ends With You thing, because the, the game is structured in, like, missions where you'll you'll do a mission in the Reaper's game, and then you just, like, kind of black out, and then you appear sometime later in a different part of Shibuya or whatever. Right. Maybe that's maybe those are the grounds. Maybe, yeah, it's it's kind of lame to not explain. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's Nomura saying, "Hey, maybe check out my other cool game if you want to get this one." <laughs> yeah. Hey, if anyone listening to this has played uh, the sequel, let me know if it's good to play without playing the first because the sequel looks more fun to me <laughs> than the first one did. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Joshua explains that there are two copies of this world, Traverse Town, which have been split in half, and you can cross between them using a portal. He says, I have a quote written down from him here that I didn't really understand. He says, The world is as many things as people need it to be. The concept that we all live in the same world, that's just in our heads. I like the line, the world is is as many things as people need it to be, because I feel like Samura is just saying, I can do whatever I want, okay? (laughs) This can be what I want it to be. Right now, I want (laughs) it to be my cool game. (laughs) Uh, Joshua asks Riku for a favor, and Riku, uh, being not Sora, says, no, (laughs) I don't trust you. You're weird. Goodbye. Yeah, Joshua says another thing that's a that's a hint to him being a little bit different because he talks about how 
Um, you know, the people in the game are dreamers, and every human being's a dreamer, but he's not a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says uh, he says that one of the dreamers is a girl named Rhyme, and he calls her the key to the portal. Uh, and he gets Riku's attention by saying, maybe a certain friend of yours is on the other side? Maybe? And Joshua, uh, uh, Riku's like, Sora? <gasps> oh, what do I do? Uh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. I'll do it. I'll do it. You said the Kingdom Hearts activation word, friend. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Joshua says, Sora must be in the other version of this world. And Riku says, okay, I'll help. Uh they, I think they, I think we skip ahead to later. Maybe they've fought through some Traverse Town sections. Uh, Riku asks Joshua why the Dream Eaters don't attack him. Uh, oh yeah, oh, this the, is where Joshua oh, says the they thing, only yeah. attack dreamers. Right, yeah. He says, I had a friend once who said he never dreamed of anything, but his dreams turned out to be the most powerful of all. I, Neku, maybe? I don't know. I think... If it's not Neku, it's some character I never met. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter here people who know what it means will understand and nod and smile and clap uh joshua teaches him how to fuse new dream eaters we get a tutorial then we we get beat i love beat i had a very funny thing <laughs> misconception here there's like a goofy dream eater bat sitting there and, uh-huh. and beat kind of runs up behind the bat but i didn't see beat right away so when beat started talking i thought the bat was talking to us and i got super excited (laughs) and i was actually kind of sad when it was beat although beat seems all right Uh, a little cartoon bat is like yo i eat that's what i thought was happening i was like ah yeah cool bat yeah uh beat beat is a cool guy he's got like a black beanie that i think has like a skull on it um He's got, like, a white tank top and probably cargo pants. Uh, and he says a lot of stuff like, yo, ite. Uh, he he tells Joshua that he's going to beat him up uh, so that he can go back home with Rhyme. And Joshua is like, beat, the guy in the black coat was lying to you. That's not going to work. <laughs> and beat goes, just can it, all right? Your inverse psychiatry ain't going to work. <laughs> cool guy he's definitely the he's definitely a number archetype he looks a lot like snow from final fantasy 13 mm, haven't played it yeah guy in a beanie blonde guy in a beanie he sounds really cool yeah he's super cool uh i didn't quite get what happened here maybe this makes more sense if you're playing the game and not just watching the cutscenes. but beat summons a dream eater to fight them and then he's like oh no and i don't know why is it just because it's like a funny panda I couldn't figure that out either. That's probably it. He probably didn't want it to be cute. <laughs> well, bad news for him. They're all cute. <laughs> I love the panda, though. The pandas are, are so good. Yeah, they look awesome. I can't I can't remember what they're called. I remember a lot of their silly names. He's called Kuma Panda. Kuma Panda, that's right. Yeah, a lot of them have, like, misspelled Japanese transliterations. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty unusual for Kingdom Hearts. This is good. I like that there's a Spirit and Nightmare version. I didn't realize that was him. Yes, every Dream Eater, uh, except for the bosses, has a, a Spirit version and a Nightmare version. The Nightmares just look a little a little scarier. They have more menacing, like, dark purple-y colors, mm-hmm. whereas the Spirits are a lot more, like, light pastel colors. Yeah. Wow, these are good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, Riku fights. Beat gives up, and he says, I just... I just need to find 
the one person who matters. I I think I wrote this wrong in my notes because I wrote that he wants to attack the one person who matters the most. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Maybe. I need to find my best friend and beat her up. It's what, it's uh, what she would have wanted. I'm pr- <sighs> I don't know if this is true. I've always assumed that Rhyme is his little sister. I have no idea if that's actually correct, though. The, I never got far enough in the game for them to get into that, but I've always imagined them as siblings. Hmm. Maybe. Riku, oh yeah, Riku says, I know the feeling, and then he falls asleep. <laughs> I think this is, I think these two times, and then maybe like one big story moment later in the game, are the only times that the characters falling asleep happens like in a cutscene, and it looks very funny. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of, he just kind of keels over. Yeah, Beat's like, I need to find Rhyme, and Riku's like, <laughs> oh man, I know how it, <laughs> it, I, I wish we got to see what it was like for everyone else when he falls asleep. Do they just leave him there? Yeah, because when he wakes up later, they're just gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess I, yeah. So Sora falls asleep during a boss fight, and Riku. It's I guess it must work differently most of the time when they're falling asleep because um, they don't swap spots during this section of the story. Yeah, yeah. I, it 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 works however it needs to. The world is whatever it needs to the be. The world is as many things as people need it to be. It's true. Yeah. Uh, we get another Yen Sid flashback here. Uh, he tells them about the age of fairy tales. Uh, is there anything? Yeah, yeah. There, there is some. It's it's largely the fairy tale that we've heard before, yeah. but there's some new stuff here. Uh. He he says, you know, the world was filled with light, which many believed were from an unseen power called Kingdom Hearts. I think that is the first we've heard of Kingdom Hearts being like the source of light in the world. Um, mm-hmm. He says Kingdom Hearts was protected by its counterpart, the Keyblade. Did we know that? Maybe. I don't know. We've heard that might have been in Xehanort reports. We've heard a lot of scene. things about the Keyblade. <laughs> Hard to keep up. Um and the first shadows were cast upon the land because people wanted the light for themselves. And they they crafted keyblades in the image of the keyblade. Is that new? Maybe. I, I, uh, I, I'm not sure. Again, I, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, they the people who wanted to fight over Kingdom Hearts made their own keyblades to look like the keyblade. And they they went to war for Kingdom Hearts, and all the light in the world was destroyed in the process, except for the light in the hearts of children. Uh, The worlds were restored in the form of little separate pockets of light, which is the worlds that we know now. Uh, The actual Keyblade itself did not survive the battle. Now, this is new, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is definitely new. The light and darkness that the Keyblade was created from shattered into 20 pieces, 7 of light and 13 of darkness. Mm-hmm. We will, we'll, be, we'll be seeing a lot about 7 lights and 13 like, darknesses like, as we go forward. Like an organization 13. Interesting, seven interesting. Princesses of Heart, that's interesting. Princesses of Heart, yes. Yeah. 7 lights, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um... He says that Kingdom Hearts itself was swallowed by the darkness where it still remains, creating dark corners in even the brightest worlds because the light comes from Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is in the darkness, which means that is why darkness is just always getting into people's hearts on its own. He says light begets darkness. Darkness is drawn to light. And so that's a little bit of the uh, Aqua in Cinderella world theory of 
when somebody's really light, it makes other people feel dark. Kind of. <laughs> right. And the theory of why you shouldn't uh, murder Cinderella's family with your keyblade. Yeah. And why it's bad to be too hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting to me, though, because this... Uh, Yensid didn't say it here, but there's a, a, a parallel here between this and the version of the story that we heard from Kyrie's grandma, which is Kyrie's grandma said that... According to legend, the true light sleeps in the deepest darkness, which I have been imagining as one thing. Uh, but Yen Sid's story makes it sound like the true light that sleeps in the darkness is actually Kingdom Hearts itself. Right, which is the heart of all, all worlds or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he says that some people decided to repurpose the Keyblade, a weapon that was designed originally to conquer the light to defend it instead, and those were the first heroes of the Keyblade. That's an interesting thing, too. I'm, I'm wondering how Keyblades conquer light, exactly. Uh, is it because it can release hearts, which are light? That's a great question. Uh, here's something that I will say right here, right now. All right. There is a concept that we've heard of before called the Ancient Keyblade War. Right. I can't say for sure, but we will learn more about a Keyblade War in future games, and I personally believe that there are some discrepancies here and there that lead me to believe that there are actually two different ancient Keyblade Wars. Oh, okay. I think that the the Keyblade War that we're hearing about here is probably the original Keyblade War, and I think that the Keyblade War that we're going to learn a lot more about in future games is the second Keyblade War. That's what I believe. Um, but yeah, I just want to I just want to put that out there and we can keep that in mind as we learn more about the Keyblade War. I think that there might be two of them. Well, that would make sense cuz then this would be every video game and it's all a cycle. <laughs> that now that gets into some some theories that I really hate, but <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> um Sora wakes up on the ground, Neku and Black Coat Guy are gone, and he decides to go look for Neku's partner to help out his new friend who didn't betray him because he tried to help him. Uh, he finds himself in a new district of Traverse Town that he's never been in before. Yeah, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of it's cool to see that Traverse Town is bigger than we than we actually knew. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's not just three, <laughs> three or four zones. Um, yeah, he's in like the fifth district or something. There's a, there's a whole Coliseum, although it does kind of make you wonder if, if all of this was created in this dream world, because the Coliseum has the like dream eater logo on it. Yeah. That was my assumption is this isn't really actually part of the original twilight town. It's part of this dream twilight town. Yeah, uh, we may never Traverse know, Town. because I don't know if Traverse Town's ever coming back. Traverse Town, Twilight Town. I always get those confused. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Coliseum is where you can play a game called, I think it's like Flick Rush. It's basically, what if uh, Pokemon was also the Chain of Memories card combat? Hmm. So, hmm. Okay. That could be all right. I've heard that it's okay if it's your thing okay i don't know that anyone like loves flick rush 
the game gave me a tutorial for it and i i was just mashing i was like get me out of here <laughs> uh we we see rhyme a girl talking to a moogle uh Sora asks if she's Neku's partner, and she says, I don't know. The only thing that I know is that my name is Rhyme. I don't remember anything else. She's very chill about it, though. Well, if you don't remember anything, you don't know that that's scary. <laughs> she says, uh, sometimes memories just need a little help getting out. And Sora's like, ah, so true. Doesn't he say, wasn't one of them say, like, as the saying goes, sometimes memories just need a little help to get out? <laughs> I think she does say that. Maybe that's a saying somewhere. Yeah. Maybe they say it in the world as a few. Maybe. I'll never know. Um, Sora decides to go look for Neku with her and see if he can help jog her memory. And they find a big botanical garden. And Neku is sulking on the roof, being Neku. And they go up to talk to him. And he he cannot believe that Sora still wants anything to do with him. Yeah, it's a that's a fair uh, thing to think, but... That's Sora. Yeah, Sora is, to a fault, willing to trust and forgive. Yeah, he's a Goku. Uh, he He's a Goku, but Neku is the protagonist of his game, so it's fine to trust him. Uh, he says that he's sorry, and Sora's like, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, you, Oh, he, he explains why he was working with the black coat guy, because he says, uh, he told me that if I brought you to him, and he told me that he wouldn't hurt you, but... Clearly, that was not true. He said that he would reunite me with my game partner and send us home. Uh, and Sora's like, ah, that's fine. We're friends. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, he I'm, asks I'm, if Rhyme is Neku's partner, and Neku says, no, sorry. Oh, yep. And then Rhyme just disappears. Right. Yeah, it's funny he asked that, because I'm pretty sure Rhyme told him the name of his partner, right? Uh, The name of Neku's partner? Yeah, I thought he had told... Uh, Sora that it was that it was beat not rhyme. Uh no, Sora doesn't know that yet. Oh okay. All right. Never mind. Yeah. Um so black coat guy appears. Uh Neku runs at him but gets flung just knocked off the building to the ground so that he can't participate in the boss fight. <laughs> uh and he summons a huge nightmare. It's a jack in the box monkey called Hako Monkey. Uh that is another one of those Japanese things. Hako is uh, Japanese for box. Oh. They spell it H-O-C-K-O, though, which makes you think that it's some kind of pun. Right. Uh, and then he, he leaves through a quarter of darkness. We have a boss fight. This boss fight sucks because you probably don't have cure yet, which is always the worst. Oh, yeah. That's no good. Uh, so afterwards, Sora is... On he's like he's back on the ground floor, and he sees Riku arrive, but he's transparent, and he's with a transparent girl that we haven't met yet. Um, and she runs past him, and Riku follows him. Uh, we we get the sense that they can't see Sora, which is correct. We'll find later. Mm -hmm. Um, Joshua appears out of a, a weird spiky portal sphere thing. Those are a gameplay mechanic that we'll see a lot of. Uh, I don't know how much we'll see of them in the cutscenes, but we will see some of them in the cutscenes. Hmm, okay. Neku walks over to talk to Joshua, uh, and by when I when I say walks over, I mean that he just like walks in from off screen, having again been launched off of the roof of this building. Right. 
there's just sort of like a little a little like fountain pond thing outside of the garden and neku just walks walks through it (laughs) yeah that's right yeah it's kind of goofy just playing it cool yeah uh (laughs) as he rings out his shorts (laughs) um and joshua starts answering sora's questions or so we're told right kind of sure for example question number one where did rhyme go joshua says i'm holding on to her dreams as a gateway between worlds Uh uh-huh thanks for answering (laughs) Yeah, oh, that, that that makes total sense. Thanks, Joshua. How do you know my name? Well, this town appears when someone needs shelter, and it's currently made of my dreams, meaning I dreamed up you and Riku. I'm kind of omniscient. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I guess that's kind of an answer. I guess I kind of get that. I don't know if it's true, but... <laughs> right. Uh, next question, where is Riku? He's in another imagining of this world. I, I guess that's a fair answer. Right. Okay. I'll accept that one. Uh, they look over and they see Riku at the bottom of this staircase that the girl ran up, uh, slowly backing away from someone, but we can't see who it is just yet. Uh, next question. Can I use that portal to get to Riku? No. It only opens for the person with Rhyme's dreams. Right. Just say only I can use it. Like, that's fine. <laughs> Does, is that a thing from Tui that you make portals out of people's dreams? I don't think so. Okay. I guess it could be. If it if it is, because like I said, I don't think I got to Joshua. So anything that he's saying here could be from Tui, I guess. Okay. Um, How did the world get split in two is the next question. And Joshua says, well, you'll have to ask this guy. And he gestures to the person that Riku is backing away from. And we see walking down the stairs, the black coat guy. But like Riku, he is transparent. He is apparently in the other version of the of the dream world. Right. That's right. I think that's the last of Sora's questions. Yeah, this is when when I was thinking differently about this game. This is when I, <laughs> I wrote down that I think Nomura is more interested and smashing his action figures together than, like, <laughs> the thinking about, like, the ramifications of bringing these two things together. But as we've gone on, I'm like, actually, I think it works better than I thought it did. So, fine. All right. It, I think it works better than you thought it did when you thought that this was all Twoey stuff. Yeah. I, I also think that it doesn't work that well. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's fine, though. I mean, Joshua will get into some stuff... I can't remember if it's this time or we we do run into him again later. At some point, Joshua will say some stuff about like why they are all here in Kingdom Hearts. And it's strange, but that's fine. Right. Uh, Beat uh, is also transparent. Uh, He's yelling at Black Coat Guy. Uh, We can't hear what he's saying. Black Coat Guy takes off his hood and he is the mysterious boy from the secret ending of Recoded. Who, yeah, who now I think might be Ansem? I'm not sure. I can't remember. Mm. Or did, we, did we find out during this part? I don't think we did. Mm, I don't think so. I, think, I we... think we'll find out. Ah, shit. We definitely find out who he is in this game. I can't remember how far in it is, though. Got it. Okay. Uh, So he leaves, and Sora, Rhyme, and Neku look at Riku, Beat, and a girl whose name we don't know just yet. 
And there's, I think there's some line about like they're right in front of us, but we can't reach them or something like that. Oh, oh, how tragic. Mm -hmm. You hate to see it. We then go to Riku, who wakes up to find that Joshua and Beat have left. Uh, His wallet is empty. Uh, He's got a a funny mustache drawn on his face. Yeah. uh, Oh, actually, he's the one that stole a wallet previously. When did he do? Oh, he did. He stole Roxas's wallet. Yeah, because for a second I was going to say, oh, Ansem, uh, Diz stole his wallet, but no, he was the wallet stealer. <laughs> it's so weird to think that that was Riku doing that. I mean, I know that that was him, but it's 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 just weird. Yeah, totally. Like it, it it's a yeah. I had forgotten until just now that is su- what a game. Super goofy. Uh, super goofy. Super goofy. Now there's an idea. Mm, now that's a game. <laughs> spin off of epic mickey <laughs> uh so riku sees that girl uh that we were looking at last scene being chased around by nightmares and helps fight them off uh she thanks him and he just says oh yeah no problem and he starts walking away and she gets very mad and she's like what does she say she's like i can't believe my knight in shining armor would leave me alone at a dangerous place like this and he goes Knight, you've got the wrong idea. And she, she goes, "Oh my gosh, I was so just kidding." Yeah, it's very. It this is Riku being very uh, g g girl. Oh yeah, he literally says like, "I'm sorry, I'm bad at this kind of stuff." It's fun to see. I wouldn't have thought of Riku as a guy that would have so much trouble with with the ladies, but I think it's good. Yeah, well, he hasn't seen any of them in a long time because he's in a Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, and I guess Kyrie doesn't count him. No, she she's a tomboy in the first game. Right, right. And it's unclear if he knows Selfie. <laughs> yeah. Or Aerith. I think yeah, I don't know if he's ever met Aerith. There is uh I think there is a scene, there's like one scene in Chain of Memories where he's like talking to the memories of Titus Waka and Selfie, and he's like, My friends. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he does know them. Interesting. Oh, Alright. Um when I don't know when we get this girl's name. I know her name, so I think I think I never wrote down when she says it. But her name is Shiki. Yeah, Shiki. We got that later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she is Neku's game partner. She has a interesting style. One thing you have to say about the world ends with you is that it's very much in its time and aesthetic, and it's really something to see this character with her like mini skirt and giant hat and saying stuff like oh my gosh <laughs> talking to riku yeah it, it looks like the 2000s for sure it's extremely 2000s <laughs> um did, did i mention her little stuffed animal mr mew the cat i don't think so but it's there yeah she's she's got a little stuffed black cat i think if i remember correctly in the game it says that she like is into like fashion and like making clothes and stuff. And I think she made this cat maybe, or like a friend of hers made it. I I don't remember what was going on there. The important thing to know about Mr. Mew is that she uses Mr. Mew for like telekinesis attacks, which is pretty fun. Hmm. That is fun. <laughs> um, But what's not fun is that you control her with the directional buttons while controlling Neku with the touchscreen and stylus at the same time. Not a fan of that. Yeah, it's not great. There's a part really hard. There's a part of me that thinks that sounds like kind of fun, but it probably isn't in practice. It's an interesting idea. 
really, really hard to do in practice. All right. Um, so what happens? Oh, they they reach the botanical garden together. Uh, this is where we see Riku's perspective on what Sora saw. She runs off, uh, presumably to look for Neku. Uh, Riku chases after her. He sees black coat guy on the stairs. Oh, yeah, he is like... Shiki is just gone. I don't know what happened here, but she's just gone, and he's, like, standing on Mr. Mew's face. Right. Yeah. Okay. I I do like to see a menacing Kingdom Hearts black coat guy, like, <laughs> aggressing a stuffed animal. Yeah, that's pretty good. He, like, kicks it at Riku. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he says some some cryptic stuff like how how did you get here choice or chance this world will be your prison such and such and things of that nature uh and then we cut to see that beat is standing with shiki somewhere nearby and it's just like don't listen to that guy riku uh i think he says like hoodie over there set this whole thing up yo uh, yeah that is what he says uh yeah so he promised shiki the same thing that she promised neku which is if you bring riku here uh, I will send you and Neku back to your to your world. Uh, we get another another anyone else play Tui? Do you know what words mean? Moment where he's where Beat says, "This is seriously one half baked excuse for a mission." Bet you ain't even a Reaper. Yeah, it's like, do you, aren't you interested in Tui yet? Too many. I you can do a little of this if you do it like subtle. It's fine. I just, I can't stand them just yelling words at me. And I even know what most of it means, but I don't appreciate it. Um, Back when I thought that Tui was a bigger part of this game, I started thinking that the drop and dream drop distance is referring to dropping beats, like in, like, <laughs> like, like you might do in Tui. No, uh, the drop actually has a dual meaning, uh, and it's both game mechanics related, uh, okay. because it refers to... Uh, Sora and Riku falling asleep as them dropping. Makes sense. But also because this is a 3DS game, there's like a 3D... I don't really know how to describe it. When you go to any world for the first time, you have to drop into it. So you're like falling down from the sky and you're like steering through obstacles and grabbing collectibles and huh. stuff like that. It's pretty fun it, I think it probably works better on the 3DS. Sometimes the depth perception <laughs> was a little hard on the PlayStation, but got it. It's fine. It's pretty fun. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what the dropping is, and the distance. 3Ds to make it Kingdom Hearts 3D for the 3DS. Yep. And like I was saying, the triple D is actually the main squad of Kingdom Hearts, which is dudes, ducks, and dogs. <laughs> uh, dumbass Donald and dog <laughs> oh by the way i'm curious what you think of this dream drop distance a lot of people say that this is when they really made sora stupid did you feel like he seemed especially stupid no he's just being himself which is kind of stupid i i don't think i agree but not not with you i don't think i agree with the general fan community opinion that sora has gotten stupider and stupider no, I think like he's always been like this, and I think what's happening more in this part is that he is a way bigger contrast to the characters he's around here. Um, so it's just you notice it a little more, and they leaned into it more. Yeah, they leaned into it more. Riku it's funny. has also 
really like matured and chilled out in a lot of ways. Right. And I think that Sora is just a lot more I don't even want to say that I don't even want to say that he's like static, because I do think that Sora has grown and changed, but at, at the core, he's still very upbeat Sora, just happy go lucky, whatever whatever comes my way, no problem. Yeah, and it's not yeah, it's not fair to say that he's necessarily being stupid. He's mostly just being like uh, unperturbed and wanting to make friends, which is his thing. Yeah, yeah, lighthearted, silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think if anything, it's that the games have like gotten more serious and dark. <laughs> yeah, that's and yeah, I think I think that Sora, as a contrast to everything around him, I can see why people think that he seems like an idiot, but which he is, to be fair. Yeah, and we love that about him. But he hasn't gone to school. We've talked about this, but he just he <laughs> that's he right. Needs to go back to school. Right, he hasn't regressed. He's just stagnated. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, black coat guy takes off his hood. We see who he is again, but we already saw this earlier. He summons uh, another version of Hako Monkey. Sora and Riku. They always get to fight a slightly different version of each boss, which is good. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of lesser games would not do that and would just have them fight the same boss. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, they, they always fight a slightly different version of the boss and in a different arena. Uh, so Riku actually fights it, like, inside this little greenhouse area. Um, yeah, I got to see some of this. They're hopping all around. Uh, I don't really know what the evil plan was here, because he summons the Hako monkey, and then it just, like, jumps into the botanical garden, and <laughs> it's just inside. Right, Riku could just turn and around like, and leave. like, well, I, I guess I'll fight it. I mean, it's a boss... I feel like i have to god forbid i let it wreak havoc on those plants I don't want to look lame in front of this girl oh god <laughs> uh yeah so yeah shiki says she's sorry riku just gives her mr mew and says don't worry about it he fights the hako monkey um oh this is a good time to talk about another game mechanic called reality shift which i have to talk about because it will happen uh, for story reasons later, so better to better to get it out of the way now rather than <laughs> rather than reveal at the end of the game that reality shifts have been happening this whole time. Uh, so the idea of a reality shift is basically that it's a little 3ds mini game. I think they always use the touch screen, uh, and it kind of represents Sora and Riku manipulating the dream world that they're in. So in Traverse Town. You can like slingshot enemies and boxes and stuff around. Um, it's not not really important right now, but there's going to be a different one for every world, and it will matter at some point that they can do that. So, all right. Uh, after the fight, Riku gets kind of his version of that other scene. He sees Sora transparent with uh, Joshua and Neku. Uh, Beat sees Rhyme, and Riku says. We'll we'll reach our friends eventually, as long as our hearts are connected. And then we get a weird montage of all the Twiwi characters spinning around in a white void. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Maybe that's the Twiwi like intro cutscene or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was really weird. It looked like almost placeholdery. It was very strange. Yeah, they're they're just like sort of idle posing as they spin in a circle in this void. Yeah. Um and then uh, Joshua, Joshua starts talking to Sora. I don't remember if 
I think he's telling Sora and Riku this. I think he's kind of like standing in both worlds right now, I think that's if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. Um this oh yeah, this is where he says that something happened to my friends and I that ended their existence in our world. So I gathered up the remnants of their dreams to keep them from fading, and this world appeared to give us refuge. I found that the dreams take bodily form in this world, and I hoped that I could give them another chance to exist. I don't know how much of that is Twooey. <laughs> right, yeah. Because um, I was wondering if something happened to their world, if that means, like, the Heartless ate the heart of the world. and and Yeah, yeah. there are definitely elements of Twooey. Like, the fact that they're playing the Reapers game... I think I think there's some implications that they might be like ghosts or something. I I never got far enough for that to be actually answered, from, but it from running around the wiki it does seem like it's an afterlife type thingy potentially. Yeah, so maybe this is directly to I hope that we're not just spoiling huge things about that. I guess what I'll say is I didn't play very far into that game, so if I know these things then it's it can't possibly be a huge spoiler. Right. Um, so Riku asks Joshua, it can't possibly be that simple, can it? And Joshua just says, I don't know, why not? (laughs) I did like that. Uh, he says that by ourselves, we are no one, but when other people look at us, we start to exist. So thank you for making my friends real again. Right. So the things have to be observed to exist. Okay. All right. Very, very, uh, quantum mechanics. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh, and this is the part that is absolutely entirely too much, in my opinion, where uh, they, in unison, in in their respective dream worlds, ask Joshua, who are you? And he says, a friend. And he grows angel wings and flies into the sky. Yeah, that was, it's like, okay. The, see, this is the thing where it's like, okay. I can understand that a lot of this, I don't want to say that this is just like a commercial for the world ends with you because, you know, these are characters that Nomura made up himself and, and like, I'm sure that he has a lot of fondness for them. And like, I'm all for them bringing more Square Enix characters into it that aren't Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, sure. Uh, But I think that it's one thing to have like sort of subtle, if you know, you know, like winks at the at the people who have played those games combined with uh what i think is a a good thing in these games which is like being sort of intriguing and make you say like oh i want to meet that character you know i'd like to see what setzer's deal is in whichever final fantasy game he is in is he the struggle champion in final fantasy 4 maybe maybe but this Joshua growing angel wings. I'm just like, if this is a spoiler, it feels like a huge spoiler. <laughs> to be fair, we do see Sephiroth grow wings and fly around and fight Cloud and a bunch of stuff in the other games. It's just that's it's true. Just people, I will say that people know those games a lot more than Tui. Yeah, that that is true. I will say, I to this day don't actually know what is up with Sephiroth having a wing. I only kind of do. Well, if I want to truly get the full story of Final Fantasy VII, I'll have to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for the PlayStation 5. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to get the story of Final Fantasy VII. I don't think anyone would be upset by saying that. I can't imagine that anyone has an opinion about that. Yeah, no way. They just showed a trailer for it, and Cloud is riding a Segway. Neat. 
<laughs> what a cool looking game. Yeah. Um, uh, and then a keyhole appears in the sky and Sora and Riku unlock it together. And we get a little Yensid flashback cutscene that I'm going to take a huge pause in the middle to explain some shit. Where Yensid tells them, dreams are connected, so you will have to choose which sleeping world you begin your journey in. I will send you back in time to the Destiny Islands just before they entered the Realm of Darkness. Yes, so this maybe explains why they're kids, or why they're younger again. Yes, and here here is my notes on the Realm of Sleep and what's going on here. So, Dream Drop Distance puts forward the idea that, you know, we, we, we associate in Kingdom Hearts metaphysics the heart with sort of like innate qualities that make people what they are. You, you need a heart to feel emotion. You need a heart to live, blah, 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 unless you're nobody. Um, so hearts are tied to memories, all that. In, in Dream Drop Distance, they say hearts are also tied to sleep and dreaming. Okay, that's fine. I can accept that. Sure. When a person falls asleep, they dream. A world has a heart. So when a world falls asleep, why can't a world dream? Okay. When a person falls asleep, they might have a dream where they are in a world doing something. In in a similar way, when a world falls asleep in dreams, it creates a dream version of itself. Okay. Okay. So, for example, Traverse Town, Traverse Town is a little different because it never actually fell to darkness, but it's the only dream world that we've been to so far. So I'll use it as an example. Um, actually, no, I'll, I'll use the Destiny Islands. That, that, that makes more sense. So the Destiny Islands, when they fell to darkness, they were also put into a state of sleep. Any, any heart that goes to sleep, any heart that is swallowed by darkness also goes to sleep. Fine. Yeah. So when the Destiny Islands are swallowed by darkness, it also creates a Destiny Islands dream world in the realm of sleep. Okay? Okay. So Yensid sent Sora and Riku back in time to the night that the islands fell to darkness. They take the raft out to sea, presumably in order to avoid getting swallowed by the big darkness ball in the sky, although that's never actually made explicit that that's why they did that. And... When the islands fell to darkness, they opened the sleeping keyhole and entered the realm of sleep through the Destiny Islands. Okay. The de- because I think Yen Sid says somewhere here that it's like the realm... Oh yeah, he, says, he said it earlier when he was like, even Heartless can't reach the realm of sleep. It It's not really a thing that you can do normally to just enter the realm of sleep. So he essentially had to send them to a world that was falling to darkness that they could then use as sort of an entry point. Yeah, okay. So he didn't send them back in time in their dreams. He sent them back in time, and then they entered dreams. But sending someone back in... He sent them back in time to actually stand on the actual Destiny Islands as they fell to darkness, at which point they, they accessed the the sleeping keyhole and got into the dream realm 
version of Traverse Town. So were they younger because he only traveled their minds back in time? Or is it just that... Because that wouldn't make sense, because then we're talking about, like, diverging timelines or something. Um, As I understand it, he traveled them back in time fully, with their hearts, minds, and bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, we we will get into the rules and mechanics of time travel at some point. That is not going to happen right now, thankfully. Okay. Um, but yes, I there's. I'll just say there's never really a reason given in this game for why they look like kids. They just say that it's Yen Sid's magic. Okay. I. If if you're asking, are they like possessing their bodies from the beginning of Kingdom Hearts One? Yeah, no, okay. they are not. That's good because that would create too many issues. I think. Yeah, it is fun though to learn that when Sora is like, "Oh no, the raft," uh, and then he gets to the island and the raft is gone. Uh, as it turns out, it's actually because uh, himself and Riku took it to, oh. to go fight a dream Ursula. Oh yeah, okay, that's funny. <laughs> um, one. One thing also that's not ever really made clear is that Traverse Town, because Traverse Town, when everyone left, when they returned to their own world at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, Traverse Town was just sort of left empty and presumably just fell asleep because it wasn't needed. And that is why there's a version of it in the Realm of Sleep. But that happened at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1. Which would mean that the moment the Destiny Islands fell to sleep, there was no dream version of Traverse Town. So the question is, why does the Sleeping Keyhole take them from the past to seemingly present day Traverse Town dream? I guess that could... I don't know. It could just be that kind of like how dreams... Time is always weird in dreams, and maybe that's literal, that you can just move through time in dreams. Yeah, it could it could be that yeah, all things in the realm of sleep are kind of just happening at the same time. Maybe passing through the sleeping keyhole like caused them to fall asleep until they reached their own time. Maybe it was just Yen Sid's magic kind of yanked them back to their own time. We'll never know, probably. Right. We don't find out in this game, so it's probably not important. Okay. A sorcerer did it, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, back in the uh, Yen Sid flashback, he tells them that there are... This is a line that I don't really know what it means either. He says, as there are seven pure lights, there are also seven sleeping keyholes. I don't know what those things could possibly have to do with each other. Yeah, right. I mean, so only certain do... Uh, are, there, are, are there only sleeping keyholes on the worlds where the seven princesses of light live? Um, no, because, like, we don't go to, like, Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White worlds in this. Mm. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know why he's drawing that parallel. Maybe maybe he's just saying, for your Mark of Mastery exam, I think it would be really cool and mystical <laughs> if you did something with the number seven. Okay, yeah, could be. Uh, Or that's just a good number of worlds for the game to have. Uh, But he says, unlocking all seven of the sleeping keyholes will free those worlds and, in the process, unlock new important powers that you will need on your journey. That is where we're stopping for this week. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, It is certainly a lot. I, I I think I've, I think I kind of get it. 
I think I kind of get the realm of sleep. I think I do too. I think that like now that you've explained it, um, I think that while like I'm not as mad about the Tui stuff as I was originally, I still think it's a big mistake to introduce like what's a pretty big concept, this whole world of sleep thing. At the same time, you're also introducing weird Tui stuff because then it's just like it's yeah. too much to keep track of and like pay attention to. And like, what? Yeah, I got confused and thought this was like a Tui game all of a sudden. So like, that's <laughs> yeah. not good. Um, yeah, since I know when when they're throwing around words like the Reapers game and you're a player and we have a pact with our, with our partners and stuff like that, I can kind of just filter that stuff out and say like, that's not really relevant. They're just advertising the world ends with you. But yeah, that that sounds like it would be really hard to follow when you, when you don't know what any of that is at all. For sure. Yeah, and I got, you know, I think that um we talk a lot about because I'm not somebody that's like against the idea of like an expanded universe or crossovers or whatever, but you got to make uh-huh. it count. You got to like have a reason for it, you know, and like it, I think it has to cohere in a way. And I did. I yeah. just didn't think it was doing it here because like I think because then sometimes it just becomes people playing with action figures and like smash them together. And that is kind of fun, but not satisfying to me. Yeah. And the stuff with like. I'm holding on to Rhyme's dreams and they're the gateway. Like, yeah. if you're going to do that stuff, you need to do it in a way that makes it clear if I should care what it means, <laughs> you know? Because, yeah, I don't know if that's just some throwaway nonsense that they made up for this game to explain why these characters are here. Yeah, I thought we were going to have to start making portals out of people's memories or something. I don't know. Like, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Making portals out of people's memories, I think that that is a concept that will come back at some point, okay. if I remember correctly. Hmm. But I don't know if it's a the world ends with you thing or what. Yeah, it, 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 it. I I like this game. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really confusing at times. Um, But I, I do like a lot of the things that it does. Um. Next time we are going to be going to Notre Dame and The Grid. Hmm. Oh, The Grid, huh? Now, who could that be? Hmm. Notre Dame. Don't get too excited. Tron ain't in it. Aw, oh, man. The Notre Dame, that's going to be weird. It's weird. I mean, next time, I, I have already divided up everything that we're going to be watching. I might make some changes here and there. We're going to be watching, tentatively, the longest segment next time but i'm also like i don't think that we need to say very much about about the cut scenes from notre dame and the grid which are largely just like i mean okay it didn't happen in this part but it will happen moving forward when we go to the disney worlds there is a mechanic and it it was happening with the yen sid flashbacks where occasionally throughout this game you'll like complete a section and it'll give you a little pop-up that's like, you have unlocked the cutscene, blah, 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 in the theater. And those are where they deliver like the sort of framing device of this adventure with Yen Sid and stuff. But also, in the Disney worlds, that is where they will show you five-minute-long cutscenes that are just recreations of scenes from movies. Hmm. Like... 
the thing that we hated in Port Royal and Kingdom Hearts 2, that is where they do that all the time oh, <laughs> in this game. Oh, no. In a lot of worlds. <laughs> let's let's have let's have a version of a scene from a movie with half the charm, please. Yeah, let's let's see a a photorealistic Jeff Bridges talking to photorealistic whoever played the main character in Tron Legacy. Now, are you saying photorealistic like the way a creepypasta person would say photorealistic, or <laughs> a hyperrealistic Jeff Bridges? Hyperrealistic Jeff Bridges. <laughs> uh, yeah. So a lot of those we are probably going to just completely gloss over. So I think I think that next time is not going to be quite as long as the seventy-three minute runtime will make it feel. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Good. Um, this is Wishes Duck. This is Wishes Duck. This is the segment where we try to sound like Donald Duck. Uh, what is, what's Donald Duck saying this week? Um, I've only got like two quotes, I think. I've got Joshua, just who are you? And, uh, such mo- great minds are often plagued by a single great question. <laughs> uh, I've got some beat quotes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. If we want to make, make Donald sound street. We could. We should. Uh, let's see. What did I write down from beat? Uh oh I've got okay I've got can it it your inverse psychiatry ain't going to work can it it your inverse psychiatry ain't going to work okay got it Oh my god that was a hard one <laughs> some of the worst noises for Donald to make that bodes well for how I've been doing um all right <laughs> Oh my god, okay. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> uh, would you like to know what other Disney worlds we're going to in this game? Yeah. Because uh, we got we got some new ones. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll be going to uh, Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. Oh, okay. We'll be going to the uh, France from the direct-to-video Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, The Three Musketeers. Oh, I watched that. I, I never I never did, but playing this game makes me kind of want to watch it. It looks fun. Yeah, I think I remember it being fun. It's there. There is a clip that went around from it a little while ago that you probably saw. I think it was posted on Discord uh, of a, like, 45-second Donald Duck rant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Fantasia. Oh, okay. Those, that's all. Those are all cool. Fantasia. That's inter- That's a hmm. implications of Fantasia. Okay. The Fantasia world is weird to think about, but it's also a fan favorite. Um, yeah, I, I really like the Fantasia world in this. And then there's some other stuff that I won't talk about. That's not Disney worlds, but got it. That's that's something for another time. Uh, so yeah, we got we got. Five more episodes of this, probably, unless I change some stuff up. But we've got we've got some important work to do first. Huh. I don't I wonder if we will finish that before my wedding. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. So I think we're gonna get like most of the way through and then I will be gone for all of November. Well, that's that's totally fine. If if need be, if we're going to stop in the middle of big important stuff, we can just stop a little earlier. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, 
But we've got some important work to do because we were going to read about Destiny's Reach. We were. Oh, do we want to do questions first? Oh, we did get some questions. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Skeep's question from last week that didn't get read on the pod. Uh, it oh, came I in, totally missed that there was came one. in late. Skeep's asked, um, "Does a, if you brought a sandwich out of the data world and ate it, <laughs> would it taste like oh, data right. or a sandwich?" And at first, I you know I didn't think about this too much because it's obviously a joke question. No offense, Skeeps. But then I thought about it some more. <laughs> and, you know, I think it depends. I think it depends on how much meaning was given to this sandwich. Oh, my God. <laughs> because if it's just a data sandwich, you brought it out and ate it, and no one really cared about it, then it wouldn't It wouldn't taste, yeah, it tastes like data. But if, you, if, if there was enough significance to the sandwich that it gained its own heart, I think then it would taste like a sandwich. <laughs> You're saying that the secret ingredient of, of data is love. Yeah, well, I don't know if hearts happen because of love, but hearts seem to happen because people uh, care about something. And if you really care about that sandwich, it has a heart. So, for example, when Chip and Dale programmed in a data keyblade for Data Sora, that that was not a real keyblade because they they didn't really care about mm-hmm. it because they're just they're just clocking in. They're just here for work, right? Or yeah, whatever it is that eventually gives a thing a heart, it didn't get it, but. If that happened to a sandwich, <laughs> then it would taste like a real sandwich. But if Chip and Dale had programmed in, say, some nuts, yeah, that's got those would be delicious. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, much like Data Riku would say, that makes sense. It makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, we did have we did have some questions uh, about the world ends with you. Uh, <laughs> I will read one of them uh, just to see what it does to our brains. Okay. Uh, this one is from Vertigree. This one feels like a challenge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this question feels aggressive. Yeah. Please describe and untangle the cosmological and religious thing happening here with The World Ends With You, with the Shinigami, Reapers, Angels, slash Demons, the Angel of Death, God, Joshua as a character, or maybe the composer is God or Satan, this Sheol, Gehenna, Purgatory, Hades, Hell situation, noise as maybe manifest sin or unfinished business or eldritch things, hungering for dead and maybe there's a winnowing of souls or something in the form of the reapers game and why is sora here sora's here because um yen sid sent him back in time and then he went into yeah so yen sid sent sora back in time uh to do the mark of mastery exam yeah to answer your main question and and actually you know you ask why why if sora's here this is death drop distance right the thing is these characters are in Kingdom Hearts and Sora isn't in Tui. So they're in the Dream Drop distance, not the Reapers game. So it actually doesn't matter what happens in Tui because, because <laughs> for, for the purposes of what we're doing, because <laughs> Tui only matters in how it relates to Kingdom Hearts in this case and not the other way around. Right. They're, they're in Sora's world. They need to follow his rules. Well, I mean, actually, though, because when I was getting upset is when... I was thinking I needed to like understand Tui to understand this game and therefore Kingdom Hearts. And when I found out that wasn't true, I felt so relieved. And, <laughs> and those sound like great questions for somebody that's played Tui, but I just, I just don't know. Yeah, it sounds like there might be some interesting themes that I'll never experience or understand. Uh, mm-hmm. It it is funny to imagine that if they were all talking about Reapers and playing the game and all that and missions and stuff like that, if Sora had just been like. Hey, 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 shut up. I don't care about any of that. Are you familiar with Hearts and Light? <laughs> you familiar with Hearts and Light? 
Um, this is this is our world. None of that shit matters. Hearts and light. Okay, or get the fuck out. Maybe dreams. Dreams, maybe, but dreams are allowed. Yeah. Uh, we yeah we got another question from uh from H Cabe, which is, do you think Nomura designs characters visually first or personality first? Do you th- like do you think he draws a guy and then comes up with what they'd be like, or comes up with a type of guy then draws what he thinks they should look like based on the type of guy he made up? And I think I know the answer to that actually. Okay, go for it. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he designs characters personality first because if you've seen oh yeah and we've talked about it before the uh Sora as like a little lion boy with a chainsaw he's kind of got the same vibe That's right. Yeah, same vibe but different looking kid. Yeah. And then they and then uh Disney made him take the chainsaw away. <laughs> Still so sad about that. Um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's probably right. That, or he gets out his like old composition notebook from middle school and opens it up and then take, and then puts that in his game. (laughs) That's how I made the world ends with you. I do want to see, I I would love to see, I, I haven't seen very much like Nomura concept art. I think that would probably be pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised. It's really like two pictures of Sora that kind of go around when he's like a cat boy. But yeah, I I haven't really seen anything else like what Riku and Kairi were supposed to look like or anything. I'll have to look into that. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Now should we dive to the wiki? Let's dive to the wiki. Let's dive to the wiki. Uh, we've got some links. We've got Johnny Madman. I don't remember if if we mentioned Johnny Madman last time or if that was after we stopped recording. It's after we stopped recording, I think there's maybe not a lot to say about Johnny Madman other than his name is Johnny Madman. Um, <laughs> He's the one of the main protagonists of the dividing lines stories. Um, I'm seeing that his he was raised by Master Ketchum. Is that like Ash Ketchum but smelt, spelled wrong? Could be. Um, there's the prophecy of his fate, I guess. Um, he's, the fires of treachery will ravage your life. You will lose your way along with all. You will find a kindred heart to yours. You'll be betrayed by those you hold dear. Your weapon will become your closest friend. Your heart will be your downfall. Um, that's fun. That's so cool. And apparently he's um, your, his class is decided by the player, but canonically he's a warrior. Here's something weird, because uh, at the top of the article, there's one of the things that exists on basically every article on this entire website, which is uh, an info box saying that there's a problem with the article. Yeah. Uh, this one says, I'm missing a few memories. Someday it will be back. This page contains a few red links. You can help the Kingdom Hearts fan and wiki by ma- making pages for them, which I'm definitely going to do after this. But yeah, there's a broken image on the info box. And if I mouse over it, I see that it links to fucking Ayano Katagiri from last time. Oh, wow. What does Ayano have to do with it? I don't know. Wait, did they? I'm, I must be losing my mind because I feel like this article looks different this time. And we know no one's. There's and, no way that they updated. So we know this. no one's working on this wiki anymore. Am I? Am I losing it? I feel like these pictures are all different. Of Ayano Katagiri? I don't know. Can you send it to me? It is different. Some, did someone? I'm looking at the history. No, this says it was edited in 2010. What? Are there two? Maybe, are there two different articles for Ayano Katagiri? There must. That must be it. Oh yeah, because this. Oh, there's Ayano Katagiri Destiny's Reach. Because this is just apparently. Oh, it's a dis- is is Ayano Katagiri just like a Disgaea character that they stole? And- oh, is here we go. Ayano Katagiri, senior lecturer, DDS PhD, Osaka University. 
Yeah, so there are two different I, I don't know, categories. All right. <laughs> um, I found a really long article about Johnny uh, Johnny's um, Keyblade dividing lines. Uh, Johnny Madman's. Um, I was reading a bit about his Keyblade inheritance. Um, so over the course of his journey, he accidentally performed a Keyblade inheritance ceremony to various people. Um, people who've inherited his Keyblade are as follows: Buzz Lightyear. When he is <laughs> when he is turned evil by Lotso, Buzz grabs Johnny Keyblade Johnny's Keyblade during their tussle. He wields the wait, wait, wait. Who is Lotso? Is that the teddy bear from uh, Toy Story Three? I don't know. There's no link. Uh, he wields the honorary ranger, uh, Jesse, in the junkyard. Jesse falls and Johnny catches her by summoning his keyblade. She wields the wagon wheel. Yeah, Lotso is the teddy bear from okay. Toy Story 3. Um, Gurr also has Johnny's keyblade inheritance. How did it never occur to me that Gurr could be a keyblade wielder? Yeah. During his argument with Zim, Johnny does not realize Gurr is walking away with the keyblade, and apparently that's enough. Gur, that's classic Gur. Gur wields the Urkin Taco, which is that sounds annoying. Yeah, that figures. Yeah, and then the last person is Tron. <laughs> While giving Tron repairs, Johnny gives him the Keyblade in hopes that light will heal him. He wields Johnny's version of the Photon Debugger. This is a good. Sorry these these people are later kidnapped by Scrod Id. Huh? Who? What is Scrod Id? <laughs> Uh, okay, that is not a character from something. They made up Scrodid. Scrodid is a main antagonist in Ultimate Man. I found his article. Ultimate Man! Hell yeah! He only appears a couple times in Luke's story. He plays the biggest role in his story. Oh, so like a Xehanort, I see. He's young and he's in his prime. Yeah. Uh, Sephiroth also... Uh, man, a lot of people are getting these Keyblades. Wait, sorry, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Johnny accepts as his first keyblade apprentice quora now do you know who quora is i'm clicking on it well we will meet quora <laughs> next time <laughs> okay because quora is uh what's her name's character in tron legacy uh olivia wild olivia wild yeah wow johnny madman much much cooler and getting around a lot more than i would have thought <laughs> I don't know why. Why would Quora? Quora is the least interesting character in anything I've ever seen. What? Oh. And yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun meeting her next time. Jesus Christ! Going down the Ultimate Man rabbit hole now, and I'm learning that Luke Vetter killed the original Luke Vader, <laughs> and Luke Vader's <laughs> soul transcended death and embodied itself. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Was there something you wanted to read? No, I mean, this is all good. Uh, I, I was going to say that we should look at the worlds that are in uh, Destiny's Reach Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we've got To Be Announced. Okay, I like that one. Great start. <laughs> Definitely lead with that. Yep. Uh, the Soul Society. Okay, more Bleach. From cool. Bleach. Yeah. Metropolia. Some of these have to be from things, but most of them don't have links. Metropolia. Oh, my God. This website. Hold on. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's nothing. <laughs> Great. Morcia City. Greed. To be announced. Okay, I'm glad that to be announced is multiple items on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Radiant Garden. World That Never Was. Fate's End. New Mombasa. That's gotta be from Halo. That's Halo. That's, um... 
where you fight mostly in Halo 3. Castle Oblivion, Asteroid M, is that from Metroid Other M? I th- or just just Metroid, maybe? Oh, no, I'm sorry, this is from X-Men. Oh. Uh, this is where Alan Trius is from. Remember Alan Trius? Oh, I do love Alan Trius. I think he was a Titus recolor. Right. Uh, Sunset Horizons, which first appears in Kingdom Hearts Amelioratory Benevolence, our favorite. Oh, I do love that. And then Hollow Bastion. We're going to be dealing with Hollow Bastion and Radiant Garden. I'm not quite sure how that works. Yeah. Well, time travel must be. Well, this is all good. I wish that I had some quotes. I wish I did too. Oh, I have some quotes. Uh, this is from a Destiny's Reach character named Insimony, which I, I was very much hoping would be uh, like an evil version of Jiminy. <laughs> One could only dream. Uh, when you defeat a stronger enemy than yourself, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> Good? Okay. That doesn't make sense. No. Why do you even live when you defeat a weaker enemy? Yeah. Inconceive... Oh, forget it. That's when you get defeated. <laughs> uh, when you're defeated, congratulations. That that would be great in, in, in Kingdom Hearts. I've I've got two Scrod Id uh, quotes for you. Oh please! No one gets a free pass through death. Even you know that. Scrod Id upon meeting Jonathan. No. And then leave Jonathan alone. In in an end game, you are a mere vessel, a flawed one at that. Scrod Id taunts Luke Vetter after robbing him of most of his dark powers. Um, <laughs> Scrod Id's an anagram of Discord. Oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, scro- uh, oh, we've we've got some quotes for uh, Insimony encountering different characters. Oh, good. Uh, when Insimony encounters Ayano, uh, Insimony says, "Poor flat-chested girl, you hey. jealous?" Oh, I don't like that. Gonna assume that Insimony has huge tits. Must be. So I guess I am right that this is uh, like an evil Jiminy Cricket. Uh, when you meet Chrono, Insimony says, "Whoa, keep it in your pants, there, machismo." I don't know if I like. I don't like this. I like this guy. I don't like this person. I don't like this character. I like this character. Uh, you can meet Insimony. I don't quite know what game this is. Uh, at which point you say, "Looking good today." Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's that's okay. When you meet Shion, Insimony says, "Call the God Mod Police." I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. I don't. Insimony's mostly confusing or uh, pervy. And when you meet Zolduck, who is... I thought that that was uh, Kilua from Hunter x Hunter, but this is Zolduck from Destiny's Reach. Uh, Insimony says, you, sir, are insane. Dang. Wow. Um, Insimony... I hate Insimony. I think Insimony is my least favorite character we've met. I think in, so. In I'm, this segment. I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm with you on that. And my favorite is the one that you just linked, which is Bully Maguire. Yeah, our good friend Bully. I'm just saying, if we ever need quotes, we can go back to Bully Maguire's quotes. Unfortunately, <laughs> they do all that just appear to be quotes that Spider-Man says in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, Bully Maguire. You're our safety net for this segment. It's true. <laughs> His leveling up quote is, 100 bucks, the ad said 3,000. Great. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. We're on co-host at Sounds About Light. I'm on co-host at Positive Stress. And you can listen to my other podcast, Doctor Huh, where we're watching Doctor Who in random order. 
we watched, what did we watch? What did we do? We watched uh, The Lie of the Land. And this week we're going to be watching The Age of Steel. All right. Oh, I think normally I would have already recorded it. I feel like I said this last week, but we pushed the recording back. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not doing the same episode two weeks in a row, if that's what you were thinking. Could have gotten the second half or something. I think The Age of Steel is the second half of a two-parter, which we <laughs> we love to get those out of context. Uh, that's the podcast. Um, you can find me on co-host at Achilles Heelys. Uh, you can listen to the F+. Uh, I'm sure a new episode with me and it will come out at some point. And... <laughs> And you know, an extra credit every once in a while as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably said this last week. There is a new extra credit that I'm on about world building forums. I still need to get to that. Uh, and we are hosted on noisespace.xyz, where you can listen to podcasts like Check Out This Guy, Diet Coke and Lilith's House of Snacks, Prime Cuts, Pod of Greed. I'm just reading through the list of ones that have had new episodes recently. Check those four out. If you're like me, maybe you go back and listen to Kyle XY now. <laughs> yeah, listen to... I don't know if I've talked about my old podcasts on here, but uh, my brother and I, who were doing Dr. Huh now, before this we did Jergen It about the secret life of the American teenager and Kyle XY about Kyle XY. Those were both really wild journeys, and I highly recommend both of those podcasts to understand why I am the way that I am. I'm, yeah, I'm in the old G uh, fan fiction now, and it's getting... Uh, I don't know if I like old G anymore. We were really delirious by the end of reading that fanfic. That makes sense, yeah. I I was I was absolutely out of my gourd on old G's fanfic. <laughs> we, we didn't much love Kyle XY Season 3, the final season, but we really didn't love Kyle XY Season 4, The Untold Story. No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, anyway, I think that's it yeah. for this week. Like we say at the end of every episode, and like we might hear someone say in this game, if we're lucky... Oh, I hope so. Keyblade! Keyblade! And we will never hear Donald Duck say this. Wow. <laughs> It's a bad one. Mine was not great. Donald Duck never says Keyblade. Yeah, it's, it's in Tony Anselmo's contract that they can never make him say it. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Good for him. Yep. Bye. We'll say it in his stead. Bye. I don't know about any game, but can I help? What? Time out. Do you trust every total stranger you meet? Look. Sorry. You're no good. You're not a player. And my pack's with someone else. Okay, so we can't be partners. Why don't I just help you out as your friend? Now we're friends? It's not that easy. Not saying it is, but you could make it easier. Yeah, sounds great. Whatever. Cool, lead the way. 